0: great honor to have my brother home tonight. He did our marriage seminar over the weekend and I amen. It was by far the best material marriage uh, related that I've ever heard anywhere. Not just because he's my brother but it was absolutely phenomenal. And uh, I pray that we, we all do a better job at being spouses, but uh, we got enough information. Our, Our wagon was doubly loaded, and so we have no excuse. Turn to somebody and say, we're going to hear the word of the Lord, and the word of the Lord is going to touch us, and we're going to respond to that word, and let God do what he loves to do, and that's bless his people. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord as he comes right now. Why don't you give
1: that to the Lord tonight? He is good. We bless you today, Jesus. We bless you today, Jesus. Now I'm gonna confuse the people in the sound booth because I am not gonna preach what I told them. Second Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ who is present, who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold towards you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherein I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Let me read it from a different translation. Now I, Paul, appeal to you personally by the meekness and gentleness of Christ in whom I am meek when present among you, but am full of courage towards you when away. Now, I ask that when I am present, I may not have to be bold with confidence that I expect I will dare to use against some who consider us to be behaving according to human standards. For though we live as human beings, we do not wage war according to human standards. For the weapons of our warfare are not human weapons but are made powerful by God for tearing down strongholds. We tear down arguments for the weapons of our warfare are not human weapons. And every arrogant obstacle that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to make it obey Christ. For a few moments tonight, I want to speak to you about the weapons of our warfare. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. Paul's writing to the church at Clark was often uh, very convicting. He challenged them to become different than they were. They had began to wonder in their relationship with God and had allowed a lot of things to show up that shouldn't have been there. They began to make some of the festival events the church participated in to be just ordinary, everyday events. And as a result, became very carnal. And then apparently accused him of being carnal as well. And when he addresses this issue, he says, though I walk in the flesh, I do not war after the flesh. There's not a one of us here tonight that will ever live outside the flesh until we die. After death, yes, we can live outside this flesh. But as long as we live upon this earth, we will be warring against an enemy that uses our flesh as a target. He doesn't war against us with spiritual things, but he wars with us according to our flesh. Now, I do not believe that Satan has the ability to read your mind. Paul says to the Philippians in the fourth chapter that the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and mind. That word keep is a military term. It means to guard. It literally means to surround the city to make sure an enemy cannot get in or destroy what's inside the city. God does not allow Satan to attack us to destroy us. He can't read my thoughts. He doesn't know my intentions. He doesn't have the ability to understand what I'm thinking. What he does read is my face because every human emotion I have shows up on my face. So he's watching my face and my face's reaction to determine what he brings into my life. Now, the world he controls, but we're God's kids. We have been blood-bought. We have been filled with his spirit. And as a result of being buried in his name in baptism, we have been separated from an old life by water, and he can't get through the water to where I'm at, but he can control the world around me. He doesn't understand my thoughts. He doesn't read my thoughts. He doesn't put thoughts in my mind. He doesn't have that ability. If he did, then God is not a very good father. What father allows his enemy to wreck his kid's life and says, I'll fix them when you get through. That's evil. God doesn't allow Satan to wreck my life. He allows me and gives me the ability to fight this battle that I'm going to fight every day. I am equipped with every resource I need as a child of God to be as successful as I want to be. I have the power and the ability to become anything if I choose. It's my choice. Amen. He will not make me pray more. He will not make me fast more. He will not make me read my Bible more. He's not going to force me or manipulate me into to relating to him or serving him or working for him. But if I choose, I have every piece of of equipment or resource or weapon that I need to overcome anything my enemy would bring against me. Now, in the Old Testament, we discover that Daniel's prayers were hindered for 21 days by the prince of Persia. And many times people drag that example into the New Testament. But I'm here to tell you tonight that there was an event happening in the New Testament that separated the New Testament from the Old Testament. And the Old Testament has passed away, and a New Testament has been put in His place. And the thing that separates the two Testaments is a death on a cross. And when Jesus Christ died on that cross... When he gave up his life willfully, he released his life so that he could give us life. When he died on that cross, Satan was conquered forever. Amen. You don't believe that. Satan was conquered forever. He has not been released Jude says he is bound in chains until the day of judgment. He is not loose and on the rampage. If he shows up at your life, you will hear him a long way off because he's in chains. He can't sneak up on nobody. He has been neutered. He has no power. He has no abilities. Jesus conquered him at the cross. It doesn't matter what Daniel battled. We are on this side of the cross. And on this side of the cross, the scripture says to resist the devil, to resist the devil. And he will argue with you, defy you, won't know who you are. What happens when you resist the devil? He might flee or possibly will flee. No, he shall flee. On this side of the cross, when you say, devil, get lost, he has to ask directions. On this side of the cross, you have the power to wreck his world. And if God's kids would ever get the revelation of who they are and the power that you've been given, you'd get up every day of your life and your prayer would be, God, what part of the devil's territory do you need rearranged today? Just point me in the direction because it's my business And it's my responsibility to rearrange his territory as often as I can. We have the power today. It lives inside of us. It is that gift I talked to you about before. When God gave me the gift of the Holy Ghost, he empowered me with a power that gives me the authority and the ability to cause as much chaos in hell as I want to cause. From the garden to the cross, heaven was in chaos. I don't know, I've ever heard anybody preach about it. Heaven was in chaos. Why? Because Satan had access to heaven. In the book of Job, he appears in the presence of God. He had the ability to walk into people's life. When he conquered Adam in the garden, he stole. Adam's kingdom. And when he stole Adam's kingdom, he killed his relationship with God. And he took from him what naturally belonged to him. And as a result of conquering Adam in a garden, he had the ability to influence heaven as well. And over one-third of heaven fell with him as a result of his rebellion. But when Jesus died on the cross, all of that was over. You see, Jesus tells the people one day, according to Luke's writings, when he was accused of casting the devil out by the devil, he said, if, if I cast the devil out by the devil, a house divided against itself shall not stand. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, No doubt the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When a strong man keeps his house, his goods are at peace. But when a stronger comes, he takes his house, he captures his armor, and he divides the spoils. Jesus served notice on the devil. I have come to get every weapon you have. I will disarm you. I will take your power away. I will take your authority away. You will no longer have any weapons to go against my children. You've tormented my creation for 4,000 years. Now, I'm going to give my creation the ability to torment you for the next 2,000 years. And when God's kids decide to take over their responsibility and their authority in life, they will start controlling every devil around. When Jesus died on the cross, according to John, his last words were, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. He knew if he could get that body to a cross and then escape that body, the sacrifice for sin would be permanent and forever And there would never be an enemy that'd be able to destroy that sacrifice. So when he died on a cross, his last words were, it's over, I completed it, it's through. No, his last word was a scream that came and that was known in the Olympics of of Ephesus. And it was the words used of someone who just won an Olympic event In the city of Ephesus, it was the victor's shout of triumph. He didn't say it's over. Jesus screamed, I won! I won! I won! And when he screamed, I won, all of us celebrated. Graves burst open. Dead saints came out of graves and marched back through the city of Jerusalem. The sun hit its face. The earth celebrated because he won that day. He's not going to win. He won. And because he won, Paul says, he causes us to triumph. In your failure, you still triumph. It doesn't matter how many times you fall or how many times you fail. If you get up, then your failure is actually a victory. It's actually become a a victory that you get to rub in the nose of Satan the fact that he has lost. And you don't have the power you used to have to wreck my life. Now, I'm going to give a lot of you heart failure tonight. Without a good devil, you have no excuse for dumb behavior. So you've got to cultivate and maintain this attitude about Satan and his power and his ability to wreck life. If you don't have it, then there's no excuses for the things we do. And when you make spirits out of anything, you take humans' responsibilities away, and they can't do anything about it. But I'm here to tell you today, he gave you the resource to conquer any problem that you choose to conquer. He gave you the power and the authority to tread on serpents, to take up any deadly thing that should not harm you. He gave you the authority to go into nations and change the world. Now, I listen to God's kids today, and we're wringing our hands, wondering What are we going to do about all this junk around us? Well, I'm going to tell you what to do about it. Take control of it. How? Bind every spirit that's causing problems. When you learn how to use the Holy Ghost that God put in you, you'll start changing politics in downtown Houston and downtown League City, and downtown Webster, and downtown Alvin, and downtown friendswood It doesn't matter what city you live in, you have the power to change all that junk if you want. But it does require you engaging and using the weapons he gave you. What are those weapons? He said to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So in this side of the, the, the cross, You don't stomp on the devil. You know, some of our songs are just purely stupid, okay? You don't step on the devil. You tell the devil where to go. You give him directions and instructions. I bind you and send you back to the pit you came from because I have the authority through his name, by his power, to wreck your life. And I have decided every day of my life, I'm going to get up and say, God, what part of the devil's territory you need rearranged today? Just point me in that direction because I want to give him a really, really bad day. He caused your children problems for 4,000 years. It's time we get to cause him just as many problems as he's caused God's kids. And when God's kids take authority, they start changing things in around. So we have that power tonight if we choose. When he died on the cross, he conquered him. He's not going to conquer him. He conquered him. He conquered the enemy. He delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us. That means the water. We went through the water. He separated us by water. He put us in a ship and sailed us across the Mediterranean Sea And separated us from the old country we're part of. And now that country has no effect on my life or control on my life. I am in charge of me and I'm going to walk in the flesh. But I'm not going to war after the flesh. I'm going to war after the spirit. I'm not going to let my flesh cause me to not enter into the battle that I have the ability to conquer. We got too many excuses for not doing anything. When we quit using our excuses for why it don't work and start saying, you know what? Okay, Jesus, I want to engage. Just, just, I, 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 I want to try this out. Show me what part of the devil's territory you need rearranged today. And I can promise you, every time you pray that prayer, somebody will show up in your life that you've never encountered before that needs help. And when you react correctly, you start changing lives all over the world because you have engaged in allowing God to allow you to do what he said he was going to do. See, he told Satan, I'll come to get your house. He took his house. He doesn't have any place to, to hide. He's a vagabond. He got his house. He got his armor. Could it be that the whole armor of God it's what God took from Satan, and he passed out to his kids. He said, here's why I need you to wear every day of your life. I need you to put this armor on, because when you put this armor on, you're reminding Satan you lost everything you thought you conquered. You don't have the weapons anymore. You don't have a, you don't have a shield anymore. You don't have a spear anymore. You don't have a sword. I took every weapon that you have, and I divide the spoils. The spoils of war always went to the king's kids. If I'm a child of the king of kings and the Lord of lords, then the spoils that he took from Satan at a cross belong at my house, and I have the authority tonight and the power to use them if I choose. I am not helpless or hopeless here. He gave... Me, incredible weapons, the weapons of my warfare. What are they? Well, the first one is thankfulness. And when I am thankful, it changes everything that's around me. When, when, when I live in an attitude of thanksgiving and thankfulness, it changes everything. The second weapon he gave me is peace. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Nobody ought to have more fun in life than God's kids. God's kids shouldn't look like they sucked on lemons for breakfast, eat limes for lunch, and grapefruits for supper. We shouldn't look sour. We shouldn't look like we're bitter. We shouldn't look like we've got issues. We ought to be the happiest people around. We ought to enjoy living for God because he gave us the weapon of peace. And peace conquers everything. See, Jesus didn't say, blessed are the peace seekers. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. makers. He gave me the ability to create it if I choose. He gave me the authority and the power to walk into the most uh, explosive environments, the the environments with chaos, and bring peace to that environment. Because the peacemaker lives inside of me, he's the one who can say to a storm, shut up, wind. And the wind instantly shuts up, and the wind lays down. And when the wind quits blowing, the disciples are terrified because what kind of man talks to the wind and the waves? And they listen to him, and they instantly they're on the shore of the Gadarenes. See, Mark chapter 4 gives us a story of the. Uh, of the night on the on the the sea or the lake, right. and the water and the waves were high. Right. Galilee's over six hundred foot deep, because it's so deep. When wind starts blowing, it can produce incredible waves in a very short period of time. Right. We pulled out from Tiberius one day, and that sea was glass. We made a nine degree turn, headed up the, the lake to where Capernaum was at, and the wind started blowing, and it started blowing quickly. And in less than five minutes' time, there were 10 to 15-foot waves breaking across the bow of that boat as we tried to make our way north because it was known for its violent storms and wind and and that ability of that wind to cause chaos. So Jesus gets in that boat, head across that lake, goes to the back, goes to sleep. You think Jesus didn't know a storm was coming? Well, he had served nerdists on the devil. He'd come to his territory. What he steal, his kingdom, this world. And he became the God of this world. So Jesus gets in a boat knowing Satan's going to try to kill him with a storm. He gets in that boat knowing Satan's going to bring a wind and try to wreck the boat. And he goes to sleep. You understand what Jesus is saying? All right, Satan, bring it on. You think you're powerful? You have no clue what you're messing with. Just bring it on, Satan. And the wind blows. And those 12 men, they bailed water for almost 12 hours. They got in a boat at dark. At 4 o'clock in the morning, they wake Jesus. Almost 12 hours of bailing water and bailing water Finally, they said Jesus, we're all gonna drown, so you might as well get ready to drown. They forgot he walked on the same lake not long before that. So how's he gonna drown if he knows how to walk on the water? But they're convinced they, they don't understand who he is. We're gonna drown. And Jesus just stepped in front of that boat and he screamed Shut up wind and the wind shut up instantly. And The sea was perfectly calm, and then they were on the other shore. You see, he knew there was a demonic that he had to meet on the other shore, and the one controlling that demonic was controlling that wind, and he had to take the power of the wind away from Satan so he could get the devils out of the man on the shore. And when he took control of his kingdom that night, when he screamed, peace, peace, still. And the wind quit blowing instantly on the other side. And when they get to the other side, out of the, we're four o'clock in the morning. Out of the darkness comes a screaming lunatic. Now, can you imagine what's going through the mind of those 12 men? They just escaped drowning they had They had been in terror for twelve hours. Now here comes a screaming lunatic out of the darkness, and they don 't know who's with them or how many there are and that screaming lunatic when he got to the feet of Jesus threw himself on the ground in front of him and worshipped him. That word worship means to give adoration. It literally means that he probably kissed his feet. When he threw himself on the ground, they normally kissed the hand, but he's not even close to the hand to be kissed. So he probably kissed his feet. And when he kissed his feet, Jesus started talking, the devil was in him. Now, we miss a lot of stuff that happens in the New Testament because of translation. In the Greek language, nouns and verbs must agree in gender and number. You can't have a masculine noun, a feminine verb. You can't have a feminine noun, a masculine verb. You can't have a neuter noun and a feminine verb or masculine verb. Every one of them, all the verbs and nouns have to agree in gender Number. So when some in in some verbs it's hard to distinguish whether it's feminine, masculine, or neuter. So they had this little symbol called removable new they could attach to the end of the verb that lets you know that the verb must be translated as a neuter verb. With no sex. And when Luke or Mark writes the description of this event, he said he threw himself. that verb has removable new on the end of it. He ran. It has removable new. Which means that it's not the man running or the man worshiping. But it's the spirit's and the man running, and it's the spirits and the man worshiping. Who's the devil? Who is he? He's called the son of the morning or the morning star. Who was he? An archangel. There were only three, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. He's an archangel. What are angels required to do? What do they do all the time? According to one of the visions, they have three wings. Two that cover their face, two that cover their feet, and they cry, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Angels were created to worship. So when the creator of the universe stepped on shore of the gatherings, all the devils around had to show up and pay him homage and worship the creator that made them. You see, that's the greatest proof of the deity of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. When he stepped into the presence of people with spirits, those spirits always had to speak. And they would say, I know who you are, thou Art, the anointed one, you are the Christ. And Jesus would say to them, shut up, hold your peace. You have no right to declare my kingdom. Now, I don't know if you just caught what I said, but the best place for the devil is right here. And if you want to give the devil a bad day, if you think he's close by, and he's causing you problem, a little bit of worship is going to require every devil that's close enough to hear your voice to bow down at his feet and worship the creator that created them. They've got to bow down, and they've got to say, holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty which was, which is which is to come the Almighty. They got to give him glory. They got to give him honor. So your greatest weapon God gave you is the weapon of praise. When you can start worshiping him and praising him and magnifying him you will stir up every devil that's around but he can't harm you he can't hurt you. He has to join you. So when you're tired of the devil giving you a bad day, when you're tired of fighting him on a regular basis, then it's just time you started worshiping the creator That's living inside of you. And when your creator shows up, he's got to start worshiping right along beside you. He has no choice. He's got to worship with you because you have the power. You have the authority tonight. You have the authority. You've got the power to change his kingdom and to wreck his kingdom. So when we sing that song, Satan, your kingdom must come down. We need to change the word and say, Satan, your kingdom has been destroyed, and I get to cause you all kinds of chaos. So when I fall, if I make a mistake, when this flesh I walk in gives me some issues, and I drag that flesh to an altar of repentance, and I make it worship you, the devils that caused me the chaos had to show right up beside me and they got to worship right along beside me as I worship him in spite. That's why he causes us to triumph. He causes us to triumph. I don't have to wait to the millennial reign to celebrate. I can say, Satan, I need you front and center today because I've decided this is my day to worship him, and I just want to watch you worship while I worship. I get to worship erect. I get to raise my hands. You got to get on your face and kiss his feet. You gotta bow down before him. You gotta kiss his feet. I get to stand in his presence. I get to look him in the face. I get to worship him because you gave me incredible weapons when I'm thankful for what you've done. And I'm not afraid of these weapons. And I use your word because your word gives me authority and power to speak on your behalf. And so because I have your name, I can say, Satan, I bind you. You will never torment my house again. You will never torment my family again. Some of you need to go home tonight and start at the front door and worship God through your house from one end of your house to the other end of your house. And everything that's been there that's tormented the people around that house, they're going to have to fall at the feet of Jesus, and they're going to have to worship him tonight because he gave you the power and the authority. We get to celebrate a victory when there's not a victory. I get to call timeout. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Satan, stand and watch what I celebrate. No, Satan, fall at his feet. He conquered you at a cross. And when he declared and screamed, it is finished. You had to give him the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He didn't have to come to hell to find you. You had to bring hell and bow him at the foot of the cross and give him back everything you stole from man. Now he's given you the ability. You know when mom was diagnosed with cancer when I was a kid, And I'd sneak up and stand by the door and listen to Mom pray every day around 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Mark was only a year old, year and a half old. Margaret was just months old. Doctor said she wouldn't live. Her mother had died of cancer a year before. And her mother's identical twin had died of the same cancer five years before that. She's never going to live. It's over. 1957, there's no cure for cancer. I remember standing there listening to my mom pray. And I never heard her complain one time. Matter of fact, I never heard her admit she had cancer. What I heard her say was, Jesus, thank you for filling me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for allowing me the privilege of being buried in your name and water and allowing me to become one of your children. Lord, I, I thank you. And she'd start thanking him. 37 of her family got the Holy Ghost about six months' time. And she would thank the Lord for, I'd hear called their names. And, and thank you for filling my mom with the Holy Ghost before she passed away. Thank you for filling Aunt Jessie with the Holy Ghost before she passed away. Thank you for, for filling Uncle Zach with the Holy Ghost for him. And, and she would thank him for every one of these things. She lived to be 84. <laughs> she spent her hour in prayer, in worship. Now she had no clue she was tormenting the devil, but he thought he had her, and she was going to the way of her mom, and her mom's identical twin. But it didn't happen. The Lord healed her. Now she would end her prayer by saying this: Jesus. You healed me when they said I couldn't have any more children and you gave me four more kids. There are 17 years between me and my older brother. You healed me when they said I couldn't have any more kids. God, how could it be your will for some other woman to raise these kids? She didn't raise her, only her four, but she probably raised 10 or 15 others that weren't even hers. One by the name of Heather Wright. <laughs> yeah, kids that came to her house that she took care of every day from the time they were infants until they went off to grade school. When that was on, there she raised, helped raise my kids and all of our kids because she wasn't afraid to worship. Amen. And you know, when the Lord moved on my mom, it didn't matter who was around. That squeal would come out of her. And you would know mom's in the house. And she'd begin to worship. She'd often dance right there by a pew because she discovered that she could worship him enough to torment every devil that was around Do you really understand what I said? Well, you must enjoy living with the devil then. If not, what's your prayer tomorrow going to be? Jesus, what part of the devil's territory you need to rearrange today? Jesus point me in the direction i'm going to rearrange it jesus what councilman needs some prayer today so i can pray enough to confuse him if he's heading the wrong direction or convict him or whatever's necessary so that all this chaos stops hey we have the problem. first church did it folks first church did it and if the first church could do it we can But it only comes when we realize we're not victims to anything. We're not bound by nothing. We're not bound by chains. We're not bound by spirits. We're not bound by devils. There's not a devil big enough. I will not allow Satan to wreck my life in my failures. I'm going to stand up and say, Jesus, you're the greatest thing ever happened in my life. I just want to worship you. I may have fallen today. I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. But once you forgive me, I'm going to rejoice a little bit. I'm going to worship a little bit. I am going to make sure that I let him know I got on the breastplate of righteousness. That breastplate was stole from you, Satan. Look at what I'm wearing. You used to own it. Now you don't get to own it. I've got the, the helmet of salvation. You can't control that. I've got a sword of the Spirit. I've got the ability through this word to control and conquer anything around me. Please stand. Oh, Jesus. What about Kahasa Tayaraba? Kiyaraba Hassa. Kiyaraba Kahasa Katayaraba. Kiyaraba Hassa Yaraba Kahasa Tayaraba Hassa Katayaraba. If you'd like to spend a little time in worship tonight, whatever that has been that's tormented you all week or all day, why don't you invite it up here beside you and tell it to stand right here beside you while you worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. And you're going to discover that it's going to be at his feet beside you. worshiping the creator that created him because he's required. He was created to worship and he didn't steal any ability to do anything else he didn't conquer or get your ability to create or become anything you choose he doesn't have the power or the ability to wreck your life today if you just want to take an opportunity to worship him a little while tonight i can guarantee you oh, if there's a problem you need words, solved yeah. you will find the oh, answer right here tonight my praise I give my all. I give my all. All We worship you, Jesus. Worship.